0: invite you to read two passages from scripture with me this morning. The first one comes from the Old Testament from 2 Samuel chapter 6. Second Samuel 6, and we'll read the entire chapter. David again gathered all the chosen men of Israel, 30,000. And David arose and went with all the people who were with him from Baal-Judah to bring up from there the ark of God, which is called by the name of the Lord of hosts, who sits enthroned on the cherubim. And they carried the ark of God on a new cart, and brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill. And Uzzah and Ahijah, the sons of Abinadab, were driving the new cart with the ark of God. And Ahijah went before the ark. And David and all the house of Israel were celebrating before the Lord with songs and lyres and harps and tambourines and castanets and cymbals. And when they came to the threshing floor of Nacon, Uzzah put out his hand to the ark of God and took hold of it, For the oxen stumbled, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against Uzzah. And God struck him down there because of his error, and he died there beside the ark of God. And David was angry because the Lord had broken out against Uzzah. And that place is called Perez-Uzzah to this day. And David was afraid of the Lord that day, and he said, How can the ark of the Lord come to me? And so David was not willing to take the ark of the Lord into the city of David. But David took it aside to the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite. And the ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite three months. And the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and all his household. And it was told King David, The Lord has blessed the household of Obed-Edom and all that belongs to him because of the ark of God. And so David went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with rejoicing And when those who bore the ark of the Lord had gone six steps, he sacrificed an ox and a fattened animal. And David danced before the Lord with all his might. And David was wearing a linen ephod. And so David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting and with the sound of the horn. And as the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, Michael, the daughter of Saul, looked out the window and saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord. And she despised him in her heart. And they brought in the ark of the Lord and set it in its place inside the tent that David had pitched for it. And David offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. And when David had finished offering the burnt offerings and the peace offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord of hosts and distributed among all the people, the whole multitude of Israel, both men and women, a cake of bread, a portion of meat, and a cake of raisins to each one. Then all the people departed, each to his house. And David returned to bless his household. But Michael, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet David and said, How the king of Israel honored himself today, uncovering himself today before the eyes of his servants' female servants, as one of the vulgar fellows shamelessly uncovers himself. And David said to Michael, It was before the Lord who chose me above your father and above all his house to appoint me as prince over Israel, the people of the Lord. And I will celebrate before the Lord. I will make myself yet more contemptible than this, and I will be abased in your eyes. But by the female servants of whom you have spoken, by them I shall be held in honor. And Michael, the daughter of Saul, had no child to the day of her death. And our second passage comes from the Gospel of Mark, the chapter, chapter 11, the verses 1 through 10. And here we have the account of the triumphal entry. Mark 11, the first 10 verses. And they went away and found a colt tied at a door outside in the street, and they untied it. And some of those standing there said to them, what are you doing untying the colt? And they told them what Jesus had said, and they let them go. And they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks on it, and he sat on it. And many spread their cloaks on the road, and others spread leafy branches that they had cut from the fields. And those who went before and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. So far. We will... Congregation, our text this morning comes from Second Samuel 6, the verses 16 through twenty-three, and we'll read those again. Second Samuel six, the verses sixteen through twenty-three. As the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, Michael, the daughter of Saul, looked out of the window and saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord and she despised him in her heart. And they brought in the ark of the Lord and set it in its place inside the tent that David had pitched for it. And David offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. And when David had finished offering the burnt offerings and the peace offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord of hosts and distributed among all the people, the whole multitude of Israel, both men and women, a cake of bread, a portion of meat, And a cake of raisins to each one. Then all the people departed, each to his house. And David returned to bless his household. But Michael, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet David and said, How the king of Israel honored himself today, uncovering himself today before the eyes of his servants, female servants, as one of the vulgar fellows shamelessly uncovers himself. And David said to Michael, it was before the Lord who chose me above your father and above all his house to appoint me as prince over Israel, the people of the Lord. And I will celebrate before the Lord. I will make myself yet more contemptible than this, and I will be abased in your eyes. But by the female servants of whom you have spoken, by them I shall be held in honor. And Michael, the daughter of Saul, had no child to the day of her death. So far, our reading. Beloved of our Lord Jesus Christ, the preacher in Ecclesiastes tells us, better is the end of a thing than its beginning. And the patient in spirit is better than the proud in spirit. Many of you have probably experienced the truth of those words. You undertake a project with excitement and you patiently await its completion. And when that project comes to an end, you have reason to rejoice. You might apply these words to the building of a new home. You have a plan and each step of the way you see the building emerge step by step. For most of us in this world of instant gratification, it's hard to wait. But patience ensures that every part of the building process is performed correctly. And in the end, as you move in, you will have reason to rejoice at your fine new home. We see something similar occurring in the book of Samuel, brothers and sisters. The Lord is busy building a house for his servant David, not of bricks and mortar, but a household or a dynasty. 2 Samuel 6 relays to us the final step in the removal of the old dynasty of Saul and the establishment of a new and better kingship under David. All through the pages, of First and Second Samuel, we read about how David patiently awaits the fulfillment of God's promises to him. And it gives David and the people of Israel reason to celebrate that at long last, the ark of God is being restored to its rightful place in Israel. Actually, brothers and sisters, it gives us reason to celebrate as well. Therefore, I preach to you God's word under the following theme and points. Having having taken his rightful place in Israel with the return of the ark, the Lord enacts his plan for the kingship by blessing the house of David, by removing the house of Saul, and finally by redeeming the house of Israel. We see that our text begins in verse 16. Where we observe two strikingly different responses to the arrival of the ark in Jerusalem. We read as the ark of the Lord was entering the city of David, Michael, daughter of Saul, watched from a window, and when she saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, she despised him in her heart. Two questions quickly jump to mind first why was david so exuberant in his worship before the lord that he was dancing and secondly why was michael so put off by her husband's excitement to answer the first question we need to understand the significance of the ark in the history of god's redemption The ark was not just some fancy box that belonged in the tabernacle of the Lord. No, the Lord himself was enthroned between the cherubim, as we read in the beginning of chapter 6. There it states, the ark of God, which is called by the name, the name of the Lord Almighty, who is enthroned between the cherubim on the ark. This was the same ark that had resided in the tabernacle in the most holy place, where the presence of God was in the midst of his people. Since the tabernacle had been set up in Exodus 40, until the fall of the house of Eli in the beginning of 1 Samuel, the ark had remained in the tabernacle. God had dwelt among his people, and they had lived under his blessing. Even in the midst of their oppression, That was often ushered in by their own disobedience. God had blessed his people with deliverance time and again. We can read all about it in the book of Judges. But with the fall of the house of Eli. This had come to a tragic end. The ark had been captured by the Philistines and the people mourned its loss. Their sentiments were expressed well by Phinehas' dying wife who named her son Ichabod, meaning the glory has departed from Israel. We Read about that in 1 Samuel 4. And although in the ensuing chapters of 1 Samuel we read about the return of the ark from the Philistines, the ark, the very presence of God, does not return to center stage. You would think that after the people had mourned for the loss of the ark, that they would have been eager to live in the presence of the Lord once again under his blessing. But we can read in 1 Samuel 7, the ark is sitting off in the sidelines in the house of Abinadab on the hill. And in time, the Israelites go one step further. They don't reestablish the ark to its rightful place No, they demand a king to rule over them. And the Lord responds that the people have rejected me from being king over them. 1 Samuel 8, verse 7. God was their king, but they didn't want him. They wanted an earthly king. And we see the patience and the long-suffering of our loving God. He gives the people what they want, a king like all the nations around them. Saul, a man of royal bearing, having wealth and stature from a prominent family. He was handsome and tall, a sight to behold. First Samuel 9, verse 2 says, There was not a man among the people more handsome than he. This was a king the people could follow, a man after their own heart. And the Lord in his mercy says to the people, If you and the king who reigns over you We'll follow the Lord your God, it will be well. But we know, brothers and sisters, all was not well. So, (coughs) excuse me, (coughs) Saul shows that he was not a man after God's own heart. Before going out to meet the Philistines in battle, he disobeys the Lord by offering burnt offerings that were supposed to be offered by the prophet Samuel. And as a result, God chastises Saul. He says, you have not kept the command of the Lord your God, which he commanded you. For then the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. But now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart. And the Lord has commanded him to be prince over his people. Because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. And as we read further into 1 Samuel, we read that Saul's failure to utterly destroy the Amalekites along with their possessions in direct violation to the Lord's command so that the Lord regretted having made Saul king. If Saul had only acknowledged the Lord as the true king of Israel, by living in obedience to God's commandments, then the Lord would have established his house as an eternal house. But considering Saul's disobedience, it's not surprising that the ark remained off on the sidelines. Israel and her king had not acknowledged the true king of Israel, who resided between the cherubim upon the ark. But all this was going to change with the coming of a king after God's own heart. We meet that king in the person of David. This time God does not choose according to the desires of his people. The Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. And so he chooses a man after his own heart. And in the following chapters we see David's rise to power, And it's striking that David does not take matters into his own hands, but patiently waits for the Lord to establish him upon the throne. He does not raise his hand against Saul, the anointed of the Lord, seeking to live in submission to his heavenly king. And the Lord is indeed faithful to his promise. Saul's reign comes to an end on the battlefield with the Philistines when he takes his own life making the way clear for David to ascend to the throne. First of Judah, and then of all Israel. And after capturing the Jebusite city of Jerusalem, David establishes his capital there, calling it the city of David. And through all his victories and his rise to power, David never forgot who had made this all possible. 2 Samuel 5 verse 12 says, And David knew... That the Lord had established him king over Israel. and And that he had exalted his kingdom for the sake of the people of Israel. And that brings us back to the ark. It was natural, brothers and sisters, that a king who acknowledged the blessing of the Lord would want the ark where the Lord dwelt among his people. Restored to its rightful place of prominence. David. The chosen king of Israel wanted his kingdom to live under the blessing of his God. Of the true king. What could have been more desirable than that? And yet, in David's haste to bring up the ark, he neglects to follow the prescribed method for doing so. As we read in 1 Samuel 6, they put the ark on a cart just like the Philistines had years ago and with similar results the lord back then had struck down some of the men of Shemesh. when the ark had first returned from the philistines because they had not handled the ark properly and we see the same thing happen to uzzah who stuck out his hand to steady the ark upon the cart as david brought it up god's presence was attached to the ark, and he was holy. No unclean thing could come into his presence and live. The ark was to be carried upon the shoulders of the priests, a show of respect and esteem. The dwelling place of their God was to be held up. And as a result, the events which started with joy ended in bitterness. Our reading informs us that after this, David was afraid of the Lord. He wondered how the ark could be brought up to Jerusalem. You could imagine his disappointment as he opted to take the ark aside to the house of Obed-Edom. After the death of Uzzah, David was unsure about the Lord's intentions. Would he bless his house? Or would he be struck down because of the holy presence of his God? But three months later, David learns that the house of Obed-Edom was experiencing the blessing of the Lord. What does that mean, brothers and sisters? To live under the blessing of the Lord. To be blessed by the Lord is to live in his abundance. He is the fount of life and goodness. Deuteronomy 28 reminds us that if you obey the voice of the Lord your God, blessed shall you be in the city and blessed shall you be in the field. Blessed shall be the fruit of your womb and the fruit of your ground and the fruit of your cattle, the increase of your herds and the young of your flock. Blessed shall your basket and your kneading bowl. Blessed shall you be when you come in, and blessed shall you be when you go out. This is what Uzzah is experiencing. The Lord did not strike his household down. No, he had blessed him with abundance. And that's exactly what David wants. To live under the abundant blessing of his God. And so when David hears the reports, he goes down to take up the ark. But this time he makes the necessary arrangements. He recognizes the holiness of the Lord. And we learn from the parallel account in 1 Chronicles chapter 15 that David makes extensive preparations to have the ark brought up according to the pattern of the Lord. And then the day comes for the ark to come up to Jerusalem. Imagine, brothers and sisters, the anticipation, the presence of the holy, all-powerful, and infinite God, the only source of all blessing, was returning to his rightful place of authority within Israel, with his appointed king at the forefront of the procession. It gave David reason to rejoice. It gave him reason to dance. And it gives us reason to dance. Because God's blessing... Upon the house of David was a blessing upon all those who look to God for their salvation. Because the blessing upon the house of David points to the coming of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. It pointed to Christ in two ways. First, the ark represented God's presence among his people. Just like our Lord and Savior came to dwell in the midst of Israel. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. This in itself was a blessing worthy of the exuberant dance of David. But there's more, brothers and sisters. Secondly, David was blessed to serve as a type of the great king to come, displaying the threefold office of prophet, priest, and king a type that pointed to Christ. It's clear that God had placed David as king over Israel and as prophet, he proclaimed God's glory through his song and dance before the ark. And finally, when he dances before the Lord in the linen ephod, he wears the garment of a priest. 1 Chronicles 15, verse 27 says, David was clothed with a robe of fine linen, as also were all the Levites who were carrying the ark and the singers, and Chenaniah, the leader of the music of the singers, and David wore a linen ephod. And so we see the ark of the Lord, and David, the symbol of the great messianic king to come, entering the city of Jerusalem. And we realize that it is the future coming of Christ that's being proclaimed and celebrated in the streets of Jerusalem that day. And when we look forward to the New Testament, we find a similar scene involving our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the triumphal entry. The people of God rejoice with the coming of their Savior and King to the city of Jerusalem. They spread their cloaks and palm branches upon the ground before Him in great joy and celebration. Mark 11:9 and 10 says and those who went before and those who followed were shouting Hosanna blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David Hosanna in the highest Beloved the Israelites rejoiced that the ark where the Lord was seated came to dwell in the midst of the people but there is still a separation David housed the ark in a tent because the people's sin prevented them from coming into the presence of their holy God. But with the coming of our Savior to Jerusalem, that changed. When he died, our sins were paid in full. and The temple curtain was torn so that we might enter into the holy presence of our God. Our glorious King has come to dwell in the midst of his people and he has made his dwelling place among us. Our holy God now dwells in each and every one of us through the person of the Holy Spirit. We have even more reason to celebrate for such a wonderful salvation than the Israelites did back then. And that brings us back to the question at the beginning of our sermon. Why was David so exuberant in his worship before the Lord. We, now we know. God was busy proclaiming his plan for the salvation of his people. And David was blessed to be an integral part of that plan. What a blessing. It made him dance. And yet, beloved, there were those who just didn't get it. Michael, daughter of Saul, didn't understand what all the fuss was about. And that brings us to our second question. Why was Michael so put off by her husband's excitement? And the answer will be given in our second point. The Lord enacts his plan for the kingship by removing the house of Saul. Verse 16 of our text suggests that Michael is more than just a little annoyed at David. No, it says she despised him in her heart. The language used here very strong. The word for despise is often used in scripture when one disobeyed the commandment of the Lord. Regarding it of, as of no consequence. It's the same word used in 2 Samuel 12 uh, to describe David in his act of adultery with Bathsheba. David is said to have shown contempt for God. This is how she feels about her husband leaping and dancing before the Lord. But given what we've already heard, brothers and sisters, how could he have done otherwise? The blessing of the Lord's presence had come to Jerusalem, through which David and all of Israel would be blessed. David understood this. And as the king of a nation of priests, he takes up the priestly task of blessing the people They would share in the immediate benefits of having God dwell in their presence and from the leadership of God's anointed king. But they would also share in the benefits of the great messianic king to come. David wants that blessing for his own household as well. And so verse 20 tells us that David returned to bless his household. But what does he encounter? Michael His own wife, sarcastically showing her contempt for the Lord's anointed king. It's striking that three times in our text, Michael is referred to as the daughter of Saul. She's not referred to as David's wife or by some other title. No, but the daughter of Saul. Scripture wants us to to associate Michael with the house of Saul. Saul had shown no hesitation in lifting his hand against the Lord's anointed in his repeated attempts to kill David and secure the kingdom for himself and his descendants. He seemed oblivious to the fact that the Lord had told him through the prophet Samuel that the kingdom would be taken away. But that didn't stop Saul from attempting to retain the kingdom through his own efforts. Michael's complaint is founded on the same attitude of self-promotion as her father. You can hear the sarcasm dripping from her lips, how the king of Israel honored himself today, uncovering himself before the eyes of his servants, female servants, as one of the vulgar fellows shamelessly uncovers himself. Some have concluded that David's attire was revealing and therefore shamefully inappropriate. But this composition can hardly uh, be maintained. First Chronicles 15 indicates that David was wearing the same type of linen robe as those carrying the ark and singing before it. Such linen robes were specifically made to cover the priest's nakedness, as stipulated in Exodus 28, verse 42, where we read, you shall make for them linen undergarments cover their naked flesh. This ensured that the priests complied with the command of Exodus 20 verse 26 not to expose themselves when they went up to the altar. In addition if David's clothes were exceedingly revealing then so were the garments of all the Levites and singers which would have made the whole affair a rather sordid one. No. No. Brothers and sisters, the real reason she is upset is that David had taken off his royal attire and made himself like one of the common people. In other words, she's saying, you had an opportunity to promote yourself in the eyes of the people and to receive all kinds of honor and glory. But what did you do instead? You showed yourself to be nothing more than a commoner. And that's how the people are going to see you. Your servants are going to see you as nothing but their equals thinking much like her father David responds it was before the Lord who chose me above your father and above all his house to appoint me as prince over Israel the people of the Lord and I will celebrate before the Lord brothers and sisters I can just imagine what was going through David's head don't you understand your father's approach cost him the kingdom He wanted to do it his own way. That's why I ended up here. God chose me to lead his people. And I'm not going to resort to the failed approach of your father. No, I will celebrate before God, showing my submission and my humility before him. I was right to take off my kingly robes in deference to the true king who sits between the overshadowing wings of the cherubim upon the ark. And he goes on to say, I will make myself more contemptible than this. In other words, I will humble myself before my God even further. Our translation states what appears to be the inevitable results of such an action on David's part. He would be abased further in the eyes of Michael. But the original Hebrew text reads, and I will be abased in my eyes own eyes. That might be indicated in the footnote of your Bible. And I would argue that this reading is to be preferred. David wants to make it clear to Michael that he would not lift himself up in the eyes of the people, but rather he would see himself as the humble servant of the Lord. She might not see it. But the servant girls would understand. They too had danced in humility before the Lord in great joy. They would share in God's blessing. But Michael would not. Michael's rejection of the Lord's anointed was a rejection of God's blessing as well. The blessing of the Lord was a blessing of abundance. But Michael, the daughter of Saul, had no child to the day of her death. The text does not give us all kinds of details about how that happened, but the text implies why. Michael showed contempt for the Lord's anointed king and the blessing that he would bring for God's people. She would not share in the fullness of that blessing. The Lord's house would not be built through her ensuring the complete removal of Saul's house from the line of the coming Messiah. God wanted a humble king after his own heart. And isn't that the kind of king we observe in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? Although he arrived in Jerusalem with the shouts of Hosanna, it didn't take long before the people drew the conclusion that this wasn't the kind of king they'd been looking for. No, they wanted an earthly king. To restore the splendor of Israel, not the humble servant that submitted to the will of the Father in heaven. Pilate challenged them, behold your king. They cried out, away with him, away with him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, shall I crucify your king? The chief priests answered, we have no king but Caesar. And so he delivered them over to be crucified. And so Jesus humbled himself in the sight of the people and in the sight of the Father, submitting to the humiliation of a shameful death upon the cross. Many rejected him because he was not the kind of king they thought he should be. But the lowly, his true servants, who rejoiced at his coming and placed their trust and hope in him, They would hold him in esteem for what he would do upon that cross. They would share in the redemption of our Savior. And that brings us to our final point. The Lord enacts his plan for the kingship by redeeming the house of Israel. As I mentioned earlier, David knew that the Lord was exalting his house for the sake of God's people. And it was fitting that in his priestly office, He sacrificed to the Lord as the ark went up to Jerusalem. Although it was unlikely that David performed the sacrifices himself, he ensured that proper sacrifices were being offered, both burnt offerings and peace offerings. The burnt offerings were to make atonement for the sins of the people, while the peace offerings, also known as fellowship offerings, Emphasize the people's desire to be in fellowship with their God. In our text, there is a close connection between the offerings and the blessing. Following the offerings, David blesses the people in the name of the Lord of hosts. David stands as God's representative to his people. foreshadowing, Foreshadowing the mediator to come. Extending God's blessing of salvation to his people. The blessing of the Davidic kingship would be the assurance that sin would be atoned for and that a renewed fellowship with God was coming. And our text tells us that all Israel shared in the communal meal that followed. A sign that together as God's people, they shared in the blessing that David had proclaimed. The ESV states that both men and women, each one received a cake of bread, a portion of meat and a cake of raisins. The meaning of the word translated as portion of meat likely means a cake of dates but in either case the meaning would be very similar. The fellowship offering allowed much of the meat to be eaten in a communal meal that displayed the people's fellowship with God. Well, fruit represented the abundance of God's blessing in which the people would share. Having been blessed Our text goes on to say that each one departed to his house. There is a sense of contentment, beloved, and well-being with this conclusion. They had come to celebrate the return of the ark to its rightful place in the midst of God's people. God's presence was once again at the center of life in Israel. And their merciful and gracious God had given them a king after his own heart, who had led them in a celebration before their God. Here was a king who had blessed them with the very promises of salvation and who had invited them to share in the communal meal. His kingship pointed forward to the messianic king to come. They even shared in what the Lord and Savior would accomplish upon the cross. They went home full of the Lord's blessing in his abundance. Brothers and sisters, How much more can we live in the assurance of that blessing? What was promised to God's people upon the return of the ark has been fulfilled. The messianic king who was both God and man has come to dwell in the midst of his people. He humbled himself in the sight of all men and in the sight of God. Suffering the shame and contempt of the cross so that all his children might share in his blessing of atonement and fellowship. The fulfillment of this blessing means the redemption of God's people, the household of faith. Let Michael's contempt for this blessing be a warning to us all not to live in our pride, seeking out our own glory, because then we may not receive the fullness of God's blessing. No, let us humble ourselves before God. By living a life of thankful praise for such a wonderful gift of salvation, we too have reason to dance and to leap before the Lord, because we also look forward to the final return of our King, so that we might take our place in the great assembly of God's elect in the heavenly Jerusalem described in Revelation 7. Behold, a great multitude that no one could number, from every tribe, and nation, and people, and language standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. With such a great deliverance on our horizon, we too can go home today content under the Lord's blessing. Amen.